This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. Sucks Podcast with your hosts Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Yep, yep, yep. Everybody hates Petter here, Metal Sucks Podcast. I'm always joined by Brandon Hahn. Hello. And Jocelyn has a new work schedule. We're going to uh, hopefully work around that and see how that works, but unfortunately, due to her schedule, she could not make it this week. Regardless, who do we have interviewing this week? None other than Stavros Giannopoulos from the Atlas Moth. Their first record in four years. Phenomenal record. Coma Noir is coming out February 9th, guys. Uh, have a fantastic, fun, and just great talk with that dude. So do not miss out on that. Um, and if you heard our bit, um, we had to do a little tribute there. A little Sarah McLaughlin tribute mm. to one of our favorite bands of all time, Slayer. Oh, pouring some liquor out for you, Slayer, right now. <clears throat> pouring some out for you. What kind of liquor would you pour out for Slayer? Uh, let's see here. Whiskey. Mm. It would probably be the most harsh whiskey one could think of. Okay. Harsh whiskey yes. would be the pour like out. What's re- yeah, like, oh, dude, I don't know. Like three, <laughs> steps, like three steps below Jameson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, whoa. Three like, steps. Yeah. Am, yeah. I, am I drinking whiskey or am I trying to remove a coat of skin off my throat? You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh, we can say that Slayer is probably the most important uh, metal band to a lot of fans out there across the world. Uh, that is a band that has uh, pretty much done it right all the way through. I'm sure there's a couple of missteps people can say, but not really, right? As far as staying true to the underground, to what their message was, to, their, to the scene, right? Do you agree? Totally. I think, yeah. I think, AC, I think I, when, I look, when I listen to Slayer, it's like I compare them to ACDC, where it's like they didn't really change mm, too much, nice, yeah. but they still kept putting out solid music the entire time. 
Yes. And they just had one of those signature trademark sounds, yeah. and you you immediately knew who it was. This is, I mean, I'm like one of those. They're one of those bands where you didn't need Tom to start singing before you knew it was a Slayer song. You yes. know what I mean? And that's even if you didn't he ever like you know. Like, I don't know how to say it where it's like. Okay, let, let's just say you never heard Slayer. You would know that's a Slayer song. That sounds stupid. That's you know, what you just said. It's exactly what I just said. But what I'm just trying to say is they they stand out. Yes. You know, no, they stand I know, out. I know what you're saying, despite the, the confusion of your statement. Right. That, that, um, they're the stupidity a band that, and confusion. It, <laughs> both. But they're a band that uh, any metalhead who has a fan know exactly when they hear a Slayer song. Yeah, if you ever just, wore a jean jacket with patches on it, you, you know, know Slayer. Slayer. Yeah. yeah, matter of fact, the biggest patch on your back is probably Slayer. Uh, yeah, so with that, the, the final tour has been announced for North America, and um, we, to our knowledge right now, Dave Lombardo is not partaking in that. It's just going to be the four guys that, you know, have been touring the last two, three, three years? When did Lombardo left? It was like 2013, I think. Yeah, and it's not like Paul Bostiff is a, is a bad drummer at all. No, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, so is Gary Holt. But um, do you feel that not having, or Gary Holt's an amazing guitarist, but do you feel that not having Dave Lombardo be part of that final tour kind of sucks? Yes. And okay. I, I mean, and again, it's not like, it's not like you're going to close your eyes and go, wait a minute, that's not Lombardo on the drums. Like, no, believe me, Bostiff is fucking awesome. Okay? Yeah. But but for the nostalgia purposes, for the final show, purposes. for the final show purposes, I mean, it's like, dude, try and get as as try and get as many of those of those core members mm-hmm. on the same stage as you possibly can, or or at least let Lombardo go up on the very last show. See, or to something. me, they, I know bands do that, and they'll be like, "Here you go." They're, say they do a final show in Los Angeles, just making something up. And again, it's it's confirmed right now. It's not Lombardo, but it might change. We'll see how it goes. Doesn't look like it, but the point is that I mean, he gets hired. So, uh, that's another thing too. I mean, guys like Lombardo. Part of the reason why he probably didn't do Slayer anymore is because he gets hired so fucking much. Well, yeah, he's the. He, I mean, he he can. Everybody wants Dave Lombardo in their band, right? Let's just say. Um, anyways, regardless, if he just did a final show and say so they did a DVD and Lombardo came out and did just Raining Blood, something like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, to me, that would be kind of cheating us on a final tour. That's how I see it. On a because, tour, yes, especially if you didn't, especially if Lombardo didn't show up to the city that you were in. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I mean, if he just shows up at the last show, then yeah, it's going to be cheating people on the tour. But the show, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where it's a proper send off. I agree. And another thing, when a band has toured nonstop like Slayer has, I mean, we've seen them. I don't know how many times in our lives. Um, when they announce a final tour. Um, are you excited about it, or is it kind of like, eh, I kind of saw it coming? How do you feel about that? Well, I think this is a different, like, you look at a band like Kiss, who is retired and then gone back, retired, come back, retired, come back, and, you know, so many times we're like, this is the final tour, this yeah. is the final tour, and then Gene Simmons is like, wait a minute, I want a helicopter, all right, one more tour, you know, like, <laughs> and it's, it, but like, but with Slayer, it's it's difficult seeing a band like Slayer that rocks so hard, that rocks so fast, doing it at the age that they're Kiss is to. doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Kiss is old, okay. Yeah. And I will give Paul Stanley credit. I mean, that guy still gets down at the age that he's at. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, he. But again, this is Slayer we're talking about. You know, they're they're not a band that sits there and runs around and moves around on the stage. They've never been that band. No. It's always been like listen, soak in the vengeance, and then go out there and. And now spread it in the mosh pit. That's always been what Slayer has been always about. But so I can't I can't see them. I, I do believe that this might be the last one, but again, might. 
That's the next question I was going to ask. Do you really feel this is their final tour? I don't. I don't. I I could see them doing mini tours. Mm. Like I could see them doing like you know five shows, you know here or there. I remember seeing Judas Priest on there. It was an Epitaph tour, like you were saying. Kiss has done it. You know, Ozzy Osbourne. I think No More Tours tour was in like ninety two, right? And he he came back. Forever. And Ozzy is in terrible shape. Yeah, like he but, could barely stand out there for thirty-five minutes, but he still goes out there and does it. Yeah, but again, he's not playing as fast and as hard as no. Slayer. That's the, right. That, that's the the it factor that you're mentioning. Um, but like, I I personally think that if Slayer goes away for a couple of years, like five years down the line, can you imagine the reunion money for a festival or anything like that? That one tour, it would be one tour. I mean, I if mean, they if they just did the uh, a few shows, that's even. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if they went out and headlined or or just were part of the main stage on you know like Rock on the Range or huge, you know, yeah. Well, I'm talking about European festivals. Oh more yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, they will be able to get that money. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to command that Misfits money that the mm-hmm. Misfits got when they came. We're talking about 30 years yeah. being apart. No, I don't know if you're going to be able to get that nostalgia money after five years, but maybe after 10. But again, how old are these guys now? They're in their 50s. Yeah, they're so going to be 60-something years old, and then they're going to try and do a cash grab? But that's what I was mentioning about the, the Epitaph tour. When I saw Judas Priest, they came back, I think it was a year or two later. Uh, and so there was like, this is our final war, world tour, and then they did the thing. They came back uh, a couple years later, and they're still active. Obviously, they got a new record coming out, I believe, March. But like, I don't know why with Slayer it seems like it might be the best move, but then what's the next thrash band that's going to have to follow their suit. Like there it seems never, like Anthrax is too. It, they seem young to me still. Metallica seems young to me still. You know, even though they're all the same age. Now I'm not talking about young and age wise, but like stage presence wise, they don't seem like they can't do that as for as long as Kiss is doing. I will say the last time I saw Slayer, loved it, mm-hmm. but yeah. those guys clearly didn't give a fuck. I know they were just. They were. I mean, like you could kind of tell they were like, let's get it over. You yeah. know, there's there is that. Now when you're talking about younger. Yeah, Anthrax definitely does have a little bit more energy on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, they're one of those bands. I, I think I, Megadeth I, is next in the big four to drop off. I, I, see, I see Megadeth calling it in a few years. See, I don't reason. know about that because yeah. Megadeth doesn't play anywhere near as fast as Slayer does. And, I, it's like, I know and, and Dave Mustaine just stays in the same spot on the stage, barely moves, you know, just looks up to sing, and that's about it. I guess what I guess what I'm saying is like is like the big four bands when they had their resurgence it hasn't stopped they're still on top of their game right, right. All, all big four of the thrash bands and I feel like if they ever have to go back down to where they were at in the 90s any of them they're all gonna call it oh yeah that type of thing and I feel Megadeth is is the one band that might lose some of its luster as the years go by look I think strangely I don't know why that's it that's all there's no proof behind that I did no mathematical research I just feel that Megadeth is losing its its kind of grip on 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 their fan base more or less and I think Slayer is too well, that's why I they're think, calling it quits I think with Megadeth part of the reason why they're losing their grip on the fan base is because Dave Mustaine is going way too political now well like, I mean he's way too political he's always been him he's always been so, him he's always been him but again like the older he's gotten, the older he's gotten, the more political he's gotten, the more right wing he's gotten. And again, this isn't this isn't me, you know, shitting on your political beliefs, but yeah. that's where the that's where the sound has gone. Yeah. You know, like like a, a song like Symphony of Destruction. I mean, I'm sure there were some political undertones to that as well. But I mean, songs like uh, you know, Sweating Bullets. Yeah. I mean, we're not getting that anymore. Last question before we we move on to our interview with Stavros here. Um, now we. Uh, 
I guess that's the thing is that with you brought up the political climate, how being edgy and how being very aggressive, angry, vengeful, all the stuff that Slayer represents in heaves. Do you think that the climate's changing so these bands probably should call it quits before uh, they keep going, before something else happens? Do you think that's in their minds at all, or is that just complete nonsense? I think, look, if you're, if you're a thrash band, you're mm. going to make thrash music. It's yeah. just if it's in your soul, that's just what you have to do. You yeah. have to play fast. You have to play with aggression. Mm. That's just the way it works. Uh, the sound, you could sing about anything. You could write a fucking thrash song about dandelions. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? As long as there's something about uh, fist fucking a dandelion or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yes. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just no. saying, like, no. <laughs> I mean, as long Jesus as the dandelion's Christ. being set on fire. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's much better. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's much better. I, I, don't know why, I don't know why I propelled myself <laughs> to fist fucking, but uh, that's, that's pretty much as hardcore as I think, you know? But I'm like, wow. Oh, man. But, uh, but you know, I mean, so that that will always be there. That will always be there. Thrash will always be there. And I guess will the edge always be there? The edge again, but this is the one thing that I've noticed mm. where in the 80s and the 90s where you would see where just dudes wanted to, to rock, mm. you know. Dude, that's now, that, that was that you kind of sound like you're flirting with people. I like right. that. Dude just want to rock. But now, but now it's like it's the outcast. It's it's always been an uh, metal has always been an outcast music. Yeah. But during the 80s and the 90s it was more accepting, mm. you know? But now it's not. Now it is for the outcast. Like yeah. if you're a social outcast and you hate Justin Timberlake, the sound of Justin Timberlake and the sound of Taylor Swift or whatever. And, and unfortunately, that's the only music that's getting punched in your fucking eardrum every single day. Like, and you can't take it anymore. You turn to, to headphones. To, to head, yeah, you turn to <laughs> headphones. You turn to Slayer. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's what I'm getting at. And it's, and when you're one of the, when you're like us yeah. and you don't bow down to that sound and you refuse to give in to that indoctrination that they're trying to do to you, they're just trying to get you to be this way. Fall in line, everyone. Just fall in line. Like, no, you need, you need metal because, yeah. because that scene makes you feel like you're not alone. And that's the most important thing about it. Hey, I liked your rant. I agree. Slayer, we're going to miss you. Uh, hopefully we do catch them on their final tour. Uh, they're not playing in Vegas right now, um, but uh, we just saw them last year. Regardless, it's definitely an event we want to see. So, And we get a little bit of Jocelyn. Good job. So anyways, before I interview with Stavros, guys, I want to touch base with you real quick. Uh, this February, Metal Blade Records will release Harm's Way's fourth full-length record. It's called Post Human, a devastating addition to the Metallic Hardcore Outfits catalog. The record is full-on heavy, aggressive blend of 2011's Isolation and 2015's excellent record Rust. So pre-order your copy now at metalblade.com slash harmsway. Once again, guys, metalblade.com slash harmsway. And without further ado, guys, here is my interview with Stavros Giannopoulos of The Atlas Moth. Hey, everybody. It's Petter here, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Stavros Giannopoulos from The Atlas Moth, man. We are here to talk about the new record, Coma Noir, coming out February 9th, man. So, uh, Coma Coma Noir, it's your first album in four years. Um, How much have you changed as a person since Old Believer was released? Oh, well, you know, I've gotten older. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> for sure <laughs> i've aged exactly four years almost uh as my birthday is actually february 10th oh so yeah so the day after our record comes out i will be exactly 35 years old uh <laughs> um i don't know man if uh you got a lot of things have happened you know you yeah. kind of growing up you kind of become a little bit more of a child 
uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said about changing the person for sure, you know, but uh, I, I think that uh, comparatively to where we were, when we put our last record in a lot better of a place. So that's good, at least. And you, you didn't mention your birthday, February 10th. That is when you guys start your tour with Royal Thunder. Um, and is there any kind of, is, was it a strategy for you to get out of Chicago during February or was that just <laughs> accidental? Well, so, uh, actually we were, they wanted to release the record at the end of last year and truthfully it just wasn't going to happen. We weren't like, it was not going to be done in time, you know? And then like, they wanted to, to release the record in January and I was like, ah, man, it's just so damn early in the year. You know, like I've always been told, you know, it's always best to release it somewhere March and later, you know, like, I don't know if that really means anything anymore, but at least, I don't know, 10 years ago when I signed a record contract for the first time, that's what I was told, you know? So like initially they were on in January and I'm still of that uh, faith that it's too early. So I was like, you know what, why don't we release it February 9th, you know? Cause it's like, then I can have a birthday record. How many times do you release a record? You know I mean? In our world, it's been four records in a decade. So uh, <laughs> I might not get another chance to have a birthday record. So I, I, I purposely pushed it back to that. And then, yeah, you know, like, I guess getting out of Chicago in February is a thing, even though we're going directly into Detroit and then Canada, you know? Yeah, there goes <laughs> like, my question that, right there. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, think that if, I think that if we were going right south or... Uh, you know, uh, to California would be a thing, but now we're just going to go into more snow. Yeah, so that, yeah, well, oh well. We're but, gluttons for punishment. What can you say, man? That's true, <laughs> right? So uh, what is it like, like, if some, someone's never experienced a, a February in Chicago, what what is a day-to-day thing that you have to do that none of us probably have to experience? Well, see, you know, like, I get what you're getting at, because you're assuming, like, Jesus, February must be fucking cold as balls. But the thing is, though, is that Chicago is insane. Because in January, I think it was like last week, there were two like days that were seventy degrees. What really? Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, global warming is fake though. <laughs> that's not that's not that's fake news. Yeah, <laughs> like it's totally not a real thing, dude. dude. Yeah, uh, it's weird. As the last couple of years, it hasn't been too terribly bad. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's cold as shit. You know, I mean, sometimes it's like you have to go out there and try to shovel snow, and it's ice. You know, it's pretty bad. But I'm really hoping <laughs> that uh, for my birthday, it's actually pretty nice this year. Mm-hmm. It's not as uh, it's, it's kind of crazy though. Every day is a little bit different nowadays. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was just like, oh yeah, it's going to be snowy and shitty on your birthday for sure. And but you, uh, did you ever get a snow day on your birthday where you didn't have to go to school? Huh? You know what? Uh, that's like that's so many drugs ago. You know, <laughs> like I guess, it's like eight, nine, you, and ten. You're like three, ideas, dude. Like, yeah, nine. I mean that's a lot of years, man. Yeah, like I actually wouldn't be surprised though. I definitely, I, mean, I definitely did go through snow days for sure. That was definitely a thing, dude. I'll tell you about Glen. I'm in Las Vegas. That's where I reside. And uh, we, oh, okay, yeah. So that's not a thing out there. No, but we haven't had a winter in the last two years. Like our our cold is 50 degrees, and you know, oh. you know we we had snow on occasion, but not like cold, cold. But, I mean, we really get about three weeks of cold now um, in the last two or three years. It's not like it used to be. And those three weeks are extremely cold, though, opposed to, like, kind of like whatever. So, um, it's, uh, it's yeah, I, um, global warming is fake, like we talked about. It's totally fake. There's no, no I, I, Yeah, totally. It. Global warming is bullshit, of course. Yeah, you know, <laughs> duh. I, <laughs> I actually didn't even know that there was ever any cold in Vegas. 
there i mean for you it's it probably in the fucking not. desert yeah 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 yeah, yeah you're right yeah you know, yeah i'm sure that's probably a relative thing yeah, like like when people are like oh man it's so cold out it's in his 30s i'm like 30s i'm going outside to my walk into my car to get something out of there in my shorts if it's 30s and, and that's exactly because my dad he played professional soccer out there in Chicago uh, before I was born. Oh, it's he, big here. He, he was big out thing. there for a, yeah. He played on Soldier Field. He, he'd tell me the stories all the time. He had the pictures. And was uh, he out of the Chicago Fire? It was the it was the Mustangs and the oh, Chicago okay. Mustangs. This is probably in the sixties or seventies. So this is I've never heard time. of that. I- I'm not a soccer guy, so I would know. But I know I know of the fire, and I've heard of the Mustangs. And uh, he played in Detroit too, so he played there for about uh, ten years. He said he was in Chicago, though. He got in trouble, dude. I'll tell. I'll share a little story. He got in trouble because um, he's not. He's he's from. Uh, we're from uh, Montenegro, former Yugoslavia. Oh, okay. And um, he he came over here to play soccer. That's why he he got out here in the country. But he loved to gamble. That was like his favorite thing. So your he, dad sounds a lot like my dad, oh, actually. Dude. By the way, because he also played soccer in Greece and also loved to gamble. They're so. us, dude. <laughs> the Eastern European. We're very similar in like I'm telling you, like our parents are all the same. <laughs> I can totally. Did your dad smoke Marlboro Lights like they were going out of style too, or what? He did, but in front of us, he would just leave it in his mouth and not light it. And then he, oh, okay, fair. <laughs> he would throw them out when they got wet. He would just toss them. He's like, ah, they're sticky now. And so there would just be all these not used cigarettes kind of thrown around the house. Or not on the house, but like in the garbage. So sure, he would course, steal yeah. them, obviously, and oh, smoke of course. them. You know? As one does, yeah. <laughs> you got to give it a shot. You know, Dad looks pretty cool with it hanging out of his mouth. In hindsight, it's like all these sweaty like cigarettes that we used to, or not sweaty, all these like uh, saliva-filled cigarettes that we used to smoke. It's kind of nasty, but, you know, as a kid. Yeah, but, you know, saliva. when you're a kid, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's still good. Let's try this. So, uh, yes. also cool. Exactly. So, <laughs> so my father was in a poker game in Chicago, and um, I guess something happened to a point where he had to escape because he won a big pot. <laughs> And so okay. he, pu- he pulled a gun out and he shot somebody in the leg. Now, mind you, Whoa. He, and he, your dad seems hard as fuck, dude. This this is a true story. I'm like, really? So he he was the cops were looking for him forever, but then he went to Detroit to play. And I guess back then it wasn't that easy to find people. <laughs> like when they yeah, just, I guess not. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I shot so much car. I dipped to Detroit. Like, come on, really? I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm going to Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's how we're thinking. We're like, we're going. You get. We have to go to Brazil. We have to hide. And um, yeah, yeah, we're going to Brazil. He went to Detroit and stayed in the same soccer league. This is apparently what he told me. Right. That's incredible. And so he moved. Obviously, the soccer career is over. Um, He moves to Las Vegas because he loves to gamble. And uh, and. He wants to become a U.S. citizen. Well, guess what? Guess what happens? Well, that that happened. <laughs> hey, man, did you, you meet your mother? They, yeah, oh, he met my mother. Oh, he went back home and got my mother, and then brought oh, her okay. Here, yeah. But right, as soon as he became a citizen, they're, they're like, "Hey, you shot somebody in Chicago." Ah, yes. Oh shit, that stuck around. Yeah, it stuck around, and so he got out of it, and then he became a citizen, and then it all worked out for him. But uh, he he told me the tale of how he. Uh, I would probably have grown up in Chicago if he didn't shoot somebody in the leg. Oh, and you would have been way more used to, uh, you know, walking around in shorts in 30-degree weather. Yes. <laughs> he, would, he would go swimming, like, we in our apartment complex. He'd be like, it's, it's you know, January, and we're like, no way. And he'd be like, I'm going to go to the pool. And I'm like, dude. So his his body temperature was just used to something that we couldn't even fathom as children. So. Oh, yeah, dude. It, like, it, you're like, uh, it's like you get struck by lightning or something like that when you live here, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like people just walking around and like... I'm telling you, I've had people be like, what is wrong with you people? It's like insanely cold here. And I'm like, it's totally fine. 
Yeah. You know, like it doesn't even fucking phase me anymore, man. Like you, I, I'm always like, yeah, it's fine. Do you think there's a mindset to it though? Also that people see cold and then they just take it in? Or do you think it's just like, you know, I, 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 I believe everybody overreacts mentally. And, and, and Oh, absolutely. I think there's like a chip on the shoulder that you get living here. Especially grow. I mean, I'm born and raised here, you know? Yeah. And, um, and my father was from Greece who, Never really flinched, but I mean, Greece's weather is probably a lot like Yugoslavia's in all honesty, because yeah. it's like California there. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally, it actually looks like Northern California in some parts, you know? So like, <clears throat> but growing up here, there's definitely like kind of like a, like a lot of my friends have moved to California and moved back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and wow. there was definitely been a, there's definitely been like constant like, uh, oh man, it's so cold here now when I come home. It's like, stop being a pussy. You know, like, you're from here, asshole, you know? Like, I, I, I'm very much, like, I love Chicago to death. I feel like I, I, uh, I've i traveled the world, and I can't imagine living anywhere else. You know? Like, uh, I absolutely love it here. And to me, it's just, like, it's a non-issue, you know? I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, you know? and that's, that's Chicago, how, duh. That's how I'm with Vegas, same thing. But our old countries, like, where our parents came from, like, like you said, Greece and Montenegro, they're like paradises out there. Oh, I know. Like, you know, it's funny. The first time I, we ever drove through California, even, I remember calling my dad and being like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, you came over here and you didn't know shit about America in Chicago? Like, <laughs> fucking California is just like Greece, you asshole. Like, yes. what the fuck, you know? Like, San Diego was cheap. And he'd always be like, oh, right. but your mother was here and I fell in love and I wanted to stay. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, there you, know, you like, go. Yeah, great move, Pops. You yeah. know, like, love, love conquers all. My friend, it's apparently so. You know, like <laughs> even fucking disgusting winters that uh, will keep you very much down. Oh man, that, that's so. <laughs> I know we should be talking about the new record, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue back because I, I want to keep talking. About segue it. away, my friend. Segue back to um, uh, Coma Noir, which, like I said, does come out February 9th. First one in four years, like we said. Sanford Parker, he did record this record, uh, and you worked with him in the past in like Twilight. Uh, what addition yeah, yeah. did he help and add to bring to this record? I think uh, mainly, you know, like we've never had anybody else record uh, the Atlas Moth. It's always been Andrew, uh, who plays keyboards and guitar. And he uh, kind of, he was like, basically got out of the production game, engineering game, whatever you want to call it. He was like pretty burnt out on it. And understandably so, man. I mean, uh, I actually went to school um, here in Chicago at Columbia for uh, audio engineering. And, you know, you realize, I personally realized right away that, like, oh, wow, I have to record a bunch of bands that, like, you know, I hate. And that sounds awful. You know, like, uh, it, it wasn't for me, so I switched my majors. But uh, <laughs> I think that, that like, he's, he loved recording. He didn't mind recording any band, but I think it started getting to him. So initially, you know, we all, without age recording, were like, we should go to somebody else just to try to try something different, you know. <clears throat> all of us were like not necessarily super thrilled on the production on Old Believer, and uh, Sanford came in. He like basically really uh, worked towards our strengths, which I don't think that, uh, with all due respect to Andrew, I think he was too close to the project to ever really pull out of us. Mm. Like he, uh, Sanford came in there, and he would be like, you know, he would get a, he he would tell us what where we were like the strongest and where we were the weakest, you know, and. Um, he really pushed us to uh, get in, like, those zone where he thought we were at our maximum potential, you know? Like, uh, he, especially vocally for me, he would be like, no, man, you got to go, like, up here, you know? Like, if I if I started going too low or whatever like that, he'd be like, you don't sound as good as you are, like, right there, you know? Like, um, and, and, and his uh, input just in general with sounds and 
uh, adding little, you know, things here and there was fantastic, man. The guy's got an ear like a motherfucker. Uh, and he's like one of my best friends. So it's great. You know, it was really easy. Um, he brought a ton of hilariousness to recording. That's how we uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're like a pretty, you know, I mean, like uh, the four of us, the, the, except for the drummer, um, our drummer now, who Mike Michek is his name. Uh, he plays drums in Broken Hope as well. Um, we've been we've been a pretty tight knit group now for like a decade, you know, and we have a lot. We joke a lot. Like <laughs> our music is very very serious because we are the least serious people on earth. I think sometimes, uh, <laughs> and Mike does fit into that, and Sanford fit in like a glove, you know. So uh, it was just a super fun time. I'm actually. Uh, I've mentioned several times in the past about how I fucking hate recorded records. Mm-hmm. It's like my least favorite part of being in a band. Uh, and I had the most fun I ever had in my entire life. Like, I was stoked to go to the studio every day, which is uh, a huge statement for me. It's all about the experience. And Sanford's involved in like a lot of Chicago recordings. Like, I've seen him do things with Local H and, and a lot of bands yeah. out there. So his name is 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 just kind of synonymous with that Chicago, I want to say, rock and metal sound these days. Does he have that reputation I, in town? I, I Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like, I, matter of fact, like, for years now, like, when we put out any new record, people be like, oh, yeah, you, you guys recorded with Sanford, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we were actually the only band in Chicago to never record with them. You know, that was the other thing, too. It was kind of like a, you know, like a thing like that where it's like, I can't tell you how many times, like, Sanford, I, I would be out drinking. He's like, how haven't I recorded your fucking band yet? And I'd be like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, uh, pretty much, if you're recording a record and you're in a, a metal, a, definitely a metal band here, people are like, oh, yeah, so you did it with Sanford, right? You know, uh, there are a couple other people in town. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Sanford's definitely that. He's the he's the dude. You know, like everyone assumes that you went to Sanford. Um, you probably should have gone to Sanford. You know, like <laughs> the whole nine yards. He's the man. Yes. Uh, another. Uh, who's another like popular producer? Is like Steve Al- Albini out there? Isn't he? Oh there? yeah. Well, Steve Albini is here. Yeah, Sanford does work at um, at Electrical Audio. Oh, sometimes. he does. We're, yeah, we were going to um, record our drums there for this record, but it was like. We, so initially, uh, Joe from Gojira was going to produce the record. Um, yeah, totally. But the only thing was, uh, we kept pushing back our start time of the studio because we just kept feeling like, you know what? It's just not quite there, you know? And we didn't want to rush it. We didn't want to like, you know, we wanted it to come organically, you know, like we didn't want to rush anything. And then of course, by, (laughs) by the end of us writing, and feeling really good about everything and getting ready to record, we had to rush into the studio because we were going to like basically miss our release date um, <laughs> if we didn't get it done. So no matter what, we were rushing at some point, I guess. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so like we, we uh, Joe couldn't do it because he had a tour with some band called Metallica. I don't know. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, you, you had, accepted uh, that excuse, Stavros? Yeah, I know, right? I was like, who are these guys? They sound dorky, Metallica. You know, <laughs> like but, give me fuel, uh, give me fire. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right? Come on. No, but yeah. Also, his studio is in Brooklyn. Yes. Which um, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Brooklyn pricing, but that's a little bit out of hand. You know, like we were sitting there and we were like, "How much money are we getting to record? And how much money do we need to live for two weeks, three weeks in Brooklyn?" Not to mention, like, no one that we know in Brooklyn can put us up for that long. Mm-hmm. You know, like we would have to either either the studio would have to have like some lodging, or we'd have to get hotel it was just gonna be insane money wise you know so then last minute you know i was like wait 
the only other dude to do this is Sanford. It has to be Sanford, you know? And uh, so we rushed to find a studio that was available for, uh, like, basically <clears throat> when we could do this. And uh, Electrical was unfortunately booked up, you know. But, yeah, Albini is here. He's done, like, uh, I mean, he's done Neurosis a bunch. He did the last Neurosis. He did the, yeah. the last Ken Mode record. Um, he did, yeah. And then yeah. he did a Zale record a couple years back, and what he did with it I, I thought was really interesting. Like, I really like it. I'm gonna, I'm, check this out. You are the only other person I know that brings up that Zale record besides me. Because oh. I fucking love Zale, <laughs> and, right? uh, and that record rules. Dude, there is not like the end of that record. For anybody who knows, it's the fear that keeps us here. He he chants that at the very end of that record, and all the noises that come together, it's like they leave you just like that record. To me, I don't know what my favorite Zero record is. I know I have to like stick to what got me into them, but that's the one I go to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually is my go to as well. It's I don't think it's my favorite. Yeah, you know, thing. I can say it's my favorite. Yeah. I think that, like, uh, I think I've listened to my favorite too much, mm. uh, or something like that, or just in general, the older, more classic records I've listened to so damn much, I never need to listen to again. It's sort of like, I never need to listen to Master of Puppets again. Exactly. So, like, I listen to, like, you know, Justice or the second half of the Black Album a bunch. You know? Kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I the completely fear- understand. Now, for me, I will keep revisiting, like, Death Magnetic, even because I've, I've overused the first four Metallica records. I know exactly totally, what you mean. And I'll tell you what, man. I'm a big Load fan. Really? Yeah, I'm a huge, huge Load fan. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I actually have quite the argument uh, for Load. Uh, if you take off "Ain't My Bitch," particularly, and uh, you add maybe two or three songs from Reload, yeah, I think that that record is. I, I will say this: no matter what. It is the last legitimate Metallica record lyrically. Huh. When you take off Ain't My Bitch. See what you just did there? You're making me Ain't My Bitch lyrically. You're right. The house that Jack built. There's got to be a few. That's a good one. Yo, dude, listen. That guy, Hatfield Hatfield lost his father, uh, which, mind you, I also just lost my father in the last year, you know? Um, He, his, uh, you know, like, he was obviously very much a drunk. Um, His lyrics are dark. They're so dark. And, like, if you look back at Metallica records, like, classically, they're kind of, like, uh, almost Dungeons and Dragony kind of, you know? Like, uh, they're, they're, not, they're not too far off from that. Or sociopolitical. There's not really a whole lot of personal, I don't feel. You know? Like, I mean, if you go back to Kill Em All, it's, like, you know, leathers and spikes and headbanging. Yeah. You know? And then, like, Ride the Lightning is, like, you know, uh, electric chair execution, you know? And, like, Master of Puppets, obviously, there's, like, some drug references, but there's also, like, you know... Uh, a lot of like um, uh, Lovecraft kind of stuff. Load is like particularly, seemingly all very much a personal uh, lyrical record, you know. And you can tell that he's like hurting on that pretty hard. And man, there's some tracks on there that I'll honestly say like fall into my top five Metallica songs. Is Bleeding sure. Me one of them? Damn right. Damn right. That's the, that's <laughs> that, the one. I go. That's centerpiece. Dude, that is Outlaw Torn. That is like my shit. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all, man. Bleeding me. Is I, I'm telling you, if anybody, if anybody wants to give Load a second chance, you look at that record before you put it on. You say they really wanted to be Deliverance Coc, mm, and dude. you skip track one, and that record is fucking tight. I, I have, uh, I have, I completely think Pepper Keenan's like friendship with. Headfield, like you said, there was a big influence on there. I remember he was on Manor Ash on Wise Blood. 
Exactly, uh, which was like the same year as load. Same year as load, yeah, exactly. So, Dude, yeah, and if you look, there's like a – I used to be part of the Metallica fan club, of course, of course. as anybody cool was in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> and they had stuff called uh, – I wonder if Joe fame. from Gojira was, though, huh? We don't know. He better have been, you know? <laughs> We have to check our like uh, membership cards next time we get together. Uh, <laughs> like, there, there was these things called fan cans, and they were like a paint can. They had like a bunch of unreleased shit in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the first few of them for sure. Um, and one of them had like, uh, you know, they had a year and a life, a uh, year and a half in the life of Metallica. That DVD. There was like a week and a half uh, VHS, left Metallica. VHS, come on. Yeah, VHS. Excuse right. me. We time. can go to DVD, uh, but let's talk yeah, for real. Yeah. It, it, yeah, let's get for real. It came out on VHS. Uh, they had a, in this fan can, a VHS called A Week and a Half in Life of Metallica. And it was around them playing uh, Donington in 95. Mm. You know, so like they play, they show them playing um, uh, 2x4 and Devil's Dance in 95. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, Pepper Keenan, uh, COC is on the shows with them. Oh. So Pepper Keenan's like hanging out with them the entire time. You know, it's it's awesome. Nice. Um, so yeah, that that you have to admit that like, that entire thing was uh, Pepper was around, and that entire uh, uh, vibe was definitely in Metallica's world for uh, sure. A hundred percent. I completely agree. I, I I mean, I always thought that, but I've never had proof. But I have the same thought process to you. And when you have a centerpiece like Bleeding Me on a record, like in the middle, that's just such a powerful like. The last typo negative record, I, I have a lot of friends that weren't big fans, and I was just like, these three things, there's a track on there, it's like 16 minutes long. I don't know if you know that record. Uh, the last oh, yeah, record. I am a huge typo fan. So these three things is like the best song to me they've ever written, you know? And it's the centerpiece of that album, you know? And the, the, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good track. Yeah, Basically. and that, I mean, another... To me, the the older they got, the better they got. You know, from uh, me too. You know, it's kind of funny too. Yeah, yeah. World coming down was a big one for me, and I remember like a lot of my friends that were into um, Bloody Kisses Mm -hmm. worked into October Rust, and then a lot of my friends that got into them on October Rust worked into World Coming Down, and I kept being like, I think this band gets better. Yes, like every fucking time. I was the same way, and I remember like World Coming Down. That's probably my favorite, and then Life Is Killing Me. I remember when they put it out; it was very much like it just wasn't right for the timing. But yeah, and now every time I go out to a bar in Chicago, everyone is always playing uh, "I Don't Want to Be Me." (laughs) Like it is like a it is a DJ staple in this town. It is wild. I like yeah, and and no one liked that record when it came out, at least in my world. No, they didn't. No, everybody was like it was it was too typo and everything out right there now was like stained in God's man. It was like the the sound wasn't gonna (laughs) wasn't gonna sit with them, and I'm like, no, they're they're sticking to their guns. But anyways, um, so yes, with Sanford now, you, you got like I said, Twilight. That project is done, correct? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think maybe I don't know. I mean, know. I think that uh, you never you never say never. You know, um, I'm still close with Neil and obviously Sanford. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know what might happen in the future, for sure. Uh, I would. I'm, I'm always open to rec- uh, doing some more stuff. You know, um, as long as it's as long as it's not a joke. Yes. You know, like I feel like um, Blake uh, the weight went down with Blake and. Um, all that like things kind of got a little a little jokey and it kind of was like i don't want to be involved with this kind of fucking you know shenanigans at this point yeah. <laughs> like but uh <clears throat> i mean i'm always down to work with sanford on anything and neil's a good friend i haven't talked to jeff in a long time but he was always a friend you know uh, i'd be open to it but it would have to just be right 
you know, I don't want to do anything just because. Um, a matter of fact, there were parts of that record where, like, before we decided to do it, I recall him being like, yo, if we're going to do this, like, it can't suck. You know, like, we got to really try. You know, like, I didn't want it to be, like, so Blake could make some more money off of us, which is basically what I think his plan was. Mm, yeah, so. yeah, unfortunately, at that time. So in that catalog, what, or maybe still, I'm not going to vouch for Blake, sorry. Um, but in that catalog, <laughs> what was your favorite, uh, what was your favorite out of the, the three records you guys did? Oh, well, I only was on two of them. To be oh, fair. you did the I last on, two. I'm so sorry. You didn't do yeah, that. I did the last I wasn't on the first one. The first one, either uh, Stanford wasn't on there either. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. So then the second one's their favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually would say the second one is my favorite. Yeah. 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 The third one with Thurston was cool. I mean, yo, I mean, I got to record a record with Thurston more. Like, that's fucking bananas. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you really can't um, uh, uh, shake a stick at that. Did you see that coming? I, I remember when uh, I read it, I'm like, wait, that's a typo. Thurston Moore, Twilight. I remember yeah. I, I didn't even see that coming. <laughs> So the funny thing was that when we were doing the second one, it was at the studio called Semaphore or Volume. I don't know exactly which they actually refer to it as. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the guy that was also an engineer there um, was Sonic Youth's sound guy. And he was talking about it. He's like, oh, man, I should send this to Thurston when you guys are done. Like, he loves black metal. We were all like, what? Like, and, and I don't remember which one of us, you know, was like, dude, well, fucking, you know, tell me who wants to beat up the next one he can. It's probably you all know? of you guys. It was like, no. <laughs> yeah, most likely. I'm sure all of us were like, yeah, totally. Don't fucking thirst to more, you know? <laughs> like, uh, and then, dude, he was totally down. And we were like, wait a minute, if he's down, should we do this kind of thing? You know, and that's when I was like, well, listen, I'm down to do this, of course, but like, I want it to be awesome. You know, I don't want to half ass it, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and like, dude, he was totally down. He was super rad. I still, uh, Whenever he's in town, I'll go hang out with him for sure, man. He's a really cool dude. He's kind of like if Spicoli uh, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High grew up. Like that's basically the best you can describe Thurston Moore. That's actually an amazing description, but I don't visually see that. I mean, I see it, yeah. I guess, but like personality, he kind of like, looks like him too. Yeah, if you think about it, yeah, it's like vis visually and and mentally, it's kind of incredible. And now, not to talk on on Blake Judd, but it seems like he's been trying to piece everything together. And I know we're all very skeptical. I personally uh, never bought a piece of merch from him, but he definitely owes me some money. Um, and that's what I was going to ask: Have you talked to him since this so-called sobriety? Uh, has occurred we, or no? He he chatted with me once, and uh, you know, man, uh, there's some other things that um, monetarily uh, that I don't want to air dirty laundry or anything about that. Okay, but I will say this, man. Um, I hope that he can pull it together and he can be a sober human being and be a, a, not a piece of garbage that just steals money from fans. Mm. Um, but I personally, go, you know, it's uh, it's to quote, uh, you know, George W. Bush being played by Will Ferrell. Okay. Um, fool me once, shame on you. Not going to fool me again. <laughs> so go. that's basically where I go with it, man. Like, uh, he definitely. I I, I hope, wish him the best. I hope the best for him. But there's absolutely no way in hell that I um uh, I, I can believe that uh, I can trust him enough to you know whatever be a part of anything with him. He, it's just like a cycle, I kind of feel like, and I hope he, he can do better but and break that cycle, but I just don't know. There's just been too much, man. Yeah, um, there's a point. There's a breaking point for everybody. And uh, I, I, As a fan, I mean, like I said, I, I, I really did like the Knock Mistium records, and I still do. I'm not going to say they're bad records, but like I, I can't imagine putting the 
him 15 bucks on something that he's done, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you, you know what, dude? Like, uh, I, I, I can't take anything away from him, um, uh, what he's done musically. And I'll tell you what, like, he was a good friend for a, a little while there, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't, but I think he was. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, like, it is what it is. I personally uh, couldn't justify putting myself in a position where he was in any sort of power and in charge of money, you know, without, without looking at myself in the mirror and be like, what are you fucking stupid? You know, like I'd like to think I'm a little bit smarter than that, but you never know. But, uh, I would like to think that I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I do. I I've been there. Where <clears throat> I've said exactly what you've said. And then people have come in there with their eyes and their like personality. And I'm like, all right. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm just saying I've fallen for it. So stay away. Me, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I've fallen for it too. And I don't think at this point in my life, I don't fall for it anymore. You yeah. know, like, like I said, I wish to do the best of luck. Um, I don't think that I need to be a part of it though. You know what I mean? 100%, like if man. there was a twilight thing that came up and it had nothing to do with Blake, that would be a thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, which obviously the last record we got, we wound up uh, uh, nixing the very little that he did anyway, which is literally like nothing. He barely did anything. It wasn't like it was that hard. Not like that last record changed completely because we uh, got rid of all of Blake's contributions to it. Cause he was barely even on it as it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I can't imagine me being like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. You know, I don't trust the dude money wise at all for sure. Uh, and like I said. I hope I wish him the best of luck. I hope everything goes well for him. But exactly, man. And so hard lessons, we need them. That's that's the one thing. Yeah, I, yeah. That's I, the thing. He's like, you know, that's the thing. If like I don't learn from what happened, then I'm doing it wrong, right? Exactly. And then we we never yeah. learn. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Exactly. Now speaking yeah. of, uh, well, I don't know about speaking of money, but this is also going to be your first record with uh, Prosthetic Records. Uh, what drew you to that label? Well, you know, man, like. Um, uh, Chris Bruni, uh, who runs Profile Lore, uh, he killed it for us, man, on two records. Eh? He, like, went balls out for us, spared no expense. He picked us up, like, right when we got dropped from Candlelight. It wasn't even a question. He was so behind us. Um, fact of the matter is, though, is that we are not a band that, uh, I believe just popped. You know what I mean? Like, we put out a couple records, but we needed some love and some work, uh, to grow our band a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, we're not like a band that you just hear and people get right away. I think that it takes a little time for people to understand where we sit in the world of music. And, uh, unfortunately, Chris is, like, when I say Chris Broody in reference to Profile Lore, he is Profile Lore. There's no one else there. Like, he mails out every one of those fucking CDs or records you buy, every t-shirt you buy. There isn't anybody else out there. He'll hire out a PR agent, but, like, that's it, man. There's no one else there. And... There's something to be said about having like a team behind you. Does that make sense? Oh, you know, like having like like a, 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 a like you know. There's someone that's always a, a PR agent. There's someone that's always there uh, to do social media. There's always someone there. Like there's a lot of hands and uh, moving parts at Prosthetic, which has been like a, immediately a game changer for us. You know, like we have uh, so many people working the record that I feel like we're in a position to actually gain. Uh, for putting out a new record, like we didn't really see much of anything change for us um, when we put out the old believer. It was kind of like a lateral move, and every time you put out a record, you would hope that you would go up a ladder a little bit, you know. And this was kind of like, like I said, it was like a, it was like a, a lateral step. And I do feel like some of that has to do with the fact that it wasn't promoted. Matter of fact, I did an interview the other day with a dude in Portugal who was like, you know what, man, I've interviewed you on every one of your records except for the last one. And he's like, when I was preparing for this interview, I was like, wait a minute, you know what? Like, I forgot that came out. 
And uh, I've done a couple other European interviews where they were like, yeah, you know what? Like, in Europe, it seemed like you guys didn't even have a record out here the last time. And I was like, man, that's fucking kind of crazy. You know? <laughs> like, uh, and and it, it showed, I think. You know, I don't feel like Europe has really gotten much exposure to us. Yeah. And, um, and, there's and from a- what I've been told, uh, Profound doesn't really uh, uh, promote very well in Europe. Oh. You know, so, so yeah, yeah. We know. So this is something. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't know. I mean, I'm in America. Like I said, I think Chris did a great job, as far as I can tell. Um, here, you know, but I've heard it from multiple people um, about uh, his uh, European distribution wasn't that great. So you know, there was like a, a time there where you know we did two records. Um, we didn't know if he really wanted to do a third one with us. Uh, he always told me that he likes to do two or three records with a band and then let them move on. So like, I was like, well, you know what? We did two records with him. Um, prosthetic is like giving us the keys to like hassle they literally were like we will be our number one priority if you put out a record with us you know like we'll give you anything you want yada 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 and uh i talked to a few colleagues uh that i that i confide in uh business wise and they were like yeah man i don't think you get to hear that very often where a label's really that into you you know yeah like you should probably go for it you know and i was like yeah you know what that's probably a good point so it was kind of a no-brainer man and uh ej and steve joe and uh Prosthetic have been nothing but amazing to us, man. So, and 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 I think every band at a certain point, like you said, when they have that acclaim, you need that, like you said, that backing. And that's why I think a lot of the 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 great, you know, underground labels that can only take a band so far. Like I always think of Relapse, like all the great catalog they have on Relapse. But there's a point where the Mastodons, the High on Fires, and the Dillingers, they have to separate. You know, it's very true, man. Yeah, like, and, 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 and I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily. Uh, the label doing a bad job, but yes. maybe just reaching their limit, you know? And that's kind of where I thought we were, you know? Like, uh, yeah. uh, like you know, some bands pop right out the gate, you know? Like, a Paul Bear pops right out the gate. It happens, man, mm-hmm. you know? And then, like, when you're on a smaller label, and we were with Paul Bear, you know, a lot of those resources go into Paul Bear, where it's like, hey, man, wait, like, we, we still need some help over here. You know, like, we need you to pimp our record just a little bit more you know and uh with a, bit, a little bit bigger of a label you know that's definitely possible very possible so who is your new favorite label mate do you know a band on the label that you're like stoked about being on the same label? well totally i have to say it's a split mm. between um skeleton witch because my boy adam is a singer mm. and uh he's like literally a very very close friend of mine and uh we both really like wrestling a lot we talk pretty often via the text message about pro wrestling, so I got to throw out my boy Adam and Skeleton Witch over there, uh, and uh, Zayus, who's uh, another Chicago band that oh, I actually, right? Yes, yeah. yeah I actually, uh, I actually showed, uh, I actually sent their stuff to Prosthetic. Um, they were asking if I knew an instrumental band. And I was like, I got one for you. Boom, uh, and they wanted to get signed. And those are like my boys, you know. Uh, so yeah, Zayas do that, and that record is great, man. I really love their stuff. So it is great. It's yeah. like of what's it called? Because I actually, I actually picked that one up, dude. I forgot it was like oh, did you? Oh, you know what? or something? Yeah, isn't that the one that just came out in like November? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, you know what, dude? I'm the worst with album titles and song titles, unless it's Odd Master of Puppets. You know, like I'm, I'm always questioning. Of adoration, unless it's a Metallica it song or unless a it's Deftones <laughs> song, I'm a little lost. I'm like that with people. I know faces, but I never know names. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody to me is a buddy or a chief until I've met them like thirty times. You know? <laughs> chief? Why is that? Why does that? Why does that? Why does chief? Be, you got buddy, pal, and then I mean, you just skip pal. You went right to chief. Right to chief. Maybe boss. I don't know. I, I go know? with senator on occasion when people are when I want to be senator. condescending. Oh yeah, when people are like oh, talking, oh. to me, I'm like, hey, senator, hold on. <laughs> That's a good one. Got it. You, you got to oh, make them hey, political Mr. when they're President. being jerks. 
Oh, yeah, dude. That's a good one. I'm going to have to adopt that. I'll go, like, the Mr. President route if someone's been real fucking hard to get a hold of, you know? like Because I can't imagine anyone I'm trying to get a hold of is actually that busy. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. I don't believe that shit at all. I know what everyone does. I, all right? I, like, I, I know where you were last night because I was with you. <laughs> like, you can't be that fucking busy, you know? Like, you were getting drunk with me, dickhead. I've said it to the people that drive through at Burger King, man. I'm just saying, like, wow, on, there's, there's wow, no line that's pretty here. intense. <laughs> yeah, holy so, shit. Anyways, but have you ever like questioned if that was a good move? I, you know, I, like maybe got a loogie in your fucking original I, chicken sandwich. Exactly. No, I question it immediately after I do it. Like everything I do, that's like, hey, you're being a little too smarmy. Smarmy, the word. Yeah, probably. That's probably the word. Yeah, I think smarmy is the word. Uh, It's like, dude, you're 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 probably fucking with the wrong person. Like, it's like you know, you know the my dad used to say, "Don't shit where you eat," and it's like I I do occasion like verbally, you know, before I eat. Yeah, see, (laughs) I'll tell you what. Like, so uh, my girlfriend, who actually has been interviewed on the Metal Sucks podcast in the past, believe it or not, Mm. uh, (laughs) she is a bartender at a uh, metal burger joint. You know. So like I'm very I'm callous sympathetic to uh, the whole um, how you treat your server kind of thing, you know. Uh, I also work at a tattoo shop doing the front desk, you know, and like you know you get a little smarmy if you will with the front desk, you know that tattoo price can go up real fast. I completely makes so if I madam presidented your girlfriend, I might get a loogie in my food. No, I would say a loogie, but she's definitely going to talk shit back to you. She's a little <laughs> bit harder than that. That's, she's I, kind of a frightening. She's a frightening chick. Uh, <laughs> she scares me several times a day. That's, not, <laughs> that's how a relationship stays good. Fear. Exactly, fear. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's how you keep it going for seven years. You need to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry about that. So, anyways, you did mention wrestling, man, and, and and I know that wrestling was linked to your first record contract somehow. Is that correct? Uh, well, <laughs> I love I love that that's a thing. It's actually our second record contract for Profound Lore. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, as a child, uh, tricked my mother into buying us tickets for WrestleMania six that happened to be in Toronto. Ooh. You know, I was a, I was a little, I was a little conniving bastard back in the day. Uh, you know, like I, I was literally like five years old, and I was like, "Can we get WrestleMania tickets?" You know, like you don't need to know where they are, right? Was that the superpowers? Like, Which one was six? Six yeah. was Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan. Oh, okay. That's when Hogan lost it. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I cried the entire way home. We drove to Toronto, and I cried the entire way home because Hogan lost the belt. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the whole thing. But, uh, you know, uh, guys in my band are not into wrestling at all. And uh, it's been a little dirty secret of mine. <laughs> Mind you, I lived with Dave from the Atlas Moth for like five, six years. So he knew all about my dirty little secret with wrestling. Um, but, uh, yeah, like it was one of those things where the first time I played Toronto, I remember like when we, I cried the entire way home from Toronto for WrestleMania six, my mom was like, if you don't stop crying, you're not allowed to go back to Canada ever again. <laughs> you know, punishment. No, I'm just kidding. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't care. Hulk Hogan lost. Well, you know, like, so the first time we went to Canada, uh, true story is I was backstage where we played and I called my mom and I was like, Hey, guess what? I'm in Canada, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she totally knew exactly what I was talking about. She goes, oh, not if I had anything to say about it, you know. <laughs> like, so uh, while we were tuning during that set, it was like, you know, it was on our first record. And uh, we were touring with Coles and Harvey Milk. 
Uh, and we were, ob- first of all, that's like the weirdest tour. If you look back at it nowadays, like how anybody booked that is blows my mind. Coles, Harvey Milk and the Atlas Mall. That's could it be more of a bizarre tour if you ask. And, uh, you know, like halfway through our set, we're tuning and no one gives a fuck about us. Uh, and I just, I'm sitting there tuning. I look out at the bar and I'm like, you know, I've been to Toronto before. Uh, came up here for WrestleMania 6. And, and like immediately when I said that, I swear to God, this entire bar that was just like looking at the bartender, talking to their buddies, like stopped and turned and looked. And I was like, oh, I got him now. You know, uh, so I told the story about how I cried the entire way home, and uh, my mom would let me come back to Canada. And then I called her this afternoon. And I told her I was having a kick-ass time in Toronto. You know, I did like the whole frontman thing. And uh, a couple weeks later, we played South by Southwest for the first time. And actually, before we were on Twelve on War, um, we were on. We, we they asked us to do their showcase because they were short a band. I think you had to have like. X amount of bands to, to have an official showcase. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but something like that. I don't know. They needed a band. We were on Candlelight Records, and they asked us to do it. So we did it. And uh, I met Chris then, and he was like, hey, man, I heard you were at WrestleMania 6. And I was like, <laughs> no way, dude. <laughs> you know, and he was like, I was too, you know. Like, and he told me that he was going to come and see us, but, uh, but uh, he uh, knew that we were playing this thing. He had some shit to do to get ready to leave, so he didn't wind up coming out because he knew he'd catch us there. But I guess a couple of his buddies were like, yo, dude, this guy, the Atlas Falcon at WrestleMania 6. And that sparked me and Chris's friendship, man. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> crazy, though, right? That you guys were both there. I think it is, too. Yeah. Yeah, is- I, made, I made him call. He uh, stayed with me one time in Chicago, and my mom called me. And I was like, Chris, get on the phone. Tell my mom why you signed my band. He was like, it's because uh, they went, you took him to WrestleMania 6. <laughs> I was like, I told you, Mom. You fucking made the right move. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my parents had a really good uh, relationship. It was always very fun. They were fucking bigger smartasses than I am, which is saying something. Uh, yeah, same, same, same thing. It's just I, I, I love going home, and if I'm not there, if I don't see my mom, uh, I actually bought a house four doors down from my mom when I had a kid. I had a kid two years ago. Oh, and, no uh, shit. So she can watch them every day. Like, I know that sounds like a chore, but it's like that's how the families usually work over there. No, that sounds like uh, old country family. Old country, yeah. And so uh, so the kid, now he's walking back and forth between the houses, like, you know, and all that stuff. And uh, I just see her just pure joy. Like, I could have done anything oh, yeah. wrong in life, but as long as I bought a house four doors down from her and I have a kid that I can walk over... I'm officially the president, you know? <laughs> oh, ab- oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, like, my parents' house was, uh, like, not a four a four doors down, but, like, a five-minute drive from my, my parents' house. It's necessary. Or, or my, my mom's mom's house. You know, it was a whole thing. Like, my grandma watched me every day after school and all, all weekend. You know, it was a whole thing. And then my mom wound up watching my brother's kids every day after school and all weekend. You know, it's like, it's just how the European families go, man. I think that, like, there's kind of like a. It's kind of funny that you can, you can totally get this because I feel like a lot of like more Americanized families are like, oh god, like why would you want to be around you know like your parents or whatever? It's like, man, I don't know. It's just how it goes. People have said that to you me know? so like, many times. Like, oh, does she just go over there and like do your laundry? I'm like, on occasion she does, and she does. And I'll be like, don't no. do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, yeah, no. There there were times where I come home from tour and I didn't. I, when I was touring, like I I lived with I, on my own. I didn't live with my parents. Not yeah. for. Uh, years at that point, you know, but like if I ever flew home, I got picked up by my mom, like she would insist 
on doing, you know, cleaning yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just come on over. You need to eat and I'll do your laundry. I'm like, no, I'm really good, mom. I've been up for whatever, how many hours right now. I just need to get home. No, it's fine. Oh, the food it's thing. Like, same. Yeah, exactly. The you know, same. it's like, Sit the fuck down, eat some feta cheese, and I'm going to fucking wash your underwear. Okay, mom. <laughs> You're the bravest woman I know. You know, like, I, I appreciate you. So, and yeah, she's got a key to the house, obviously, because the, the kid will need something. But every time she's like, oh, I got to go get this. I'm like, oh, the house is going to be clean. I didn't do the dishes last night. I'm going to feel good oh, when I get home. You know, I like, I literally want to banning my mother from walking into my house. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. I'm, I was like, you can't just walk in here. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, like, fucking... She'll start doing the fucking dishes, and I'll be yeah. like, "Will you fucking stop? Will no. you fucking please stop?" I mean, we this Thanksgiving this year, like we did all the food, and she didn't even eat. She's doing the dishes. And I'm like, "Dude, of you course, you're kidding me right now?" <laughs> like, yeah, sit the fuck down. <laughs> what the fuck? There's a dishwasher. Do you know what that is? It doesn't do a good enough job. Exactly. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, did your mom like wash dishes and then put them in the dishwasher? Yes, Th- that's oh where God. you store Drove the dishes. Me you don't fucking crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. I wanted to kill her wherever she did that shit. And then I would want to run it and she's like, they're already clean. Why are you wasting water? I'm like, no, because this is what this does. <laughs> this is what this oh does. My- God damn. Dude. But I mean, There's truth be told, shame. like I've pulled them out. I'm like, when I know my mom washed the dishes, I'll pull them out and not even I'll just oh they're clean. She she scrubbed them to, to the to the brim. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't wait. the reason that, like oh, the only thing that I can think of was putting a washed dish back in the dishwasher is because I washed it half fucking ass. Like I know I would. You know, that's why I have a fucking dishwasher that has like a high temperature sandy rinse on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, there we go. We're in a high temperature. This bitch can kill all the shit in there. You and know, I like, still, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I still clean them pretty much too much before I put them in there. Cause that's how she taught me. I do that. Oh yeah. I over clean oh, yeah. like, and, and then oh, like my, you got to. my lady, you know, she's, she's, she's English. So she doesn't get it. She's like, dude, it's is she, fine. Is she English as in like from the UK or is she American? No, she's, she's American English. She's, she's, oh. she's, uh, Texas. She's, She's white as hell. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Okay. It's like the bar, like I don't like like ribs and, and barbecue stuff like that. And that's all she wants to eat is this type of, this type of thing. So, but, um, I don't say, I don't want to say I don't like them. I don't like foods that are, are make me messy. If that makes sense. When I go out, uh, do I, I'll do it in my house. Say it again. No, no beard. No beard. No beard. Okay. See, I that's the beard. old guy. That's, that's Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So exactly. Chuck. Yeah. yeah. And I also have a mighty beard as well. I'll oh. tell you what, eating messy foods is a thing, man. I don't, I try not to do that out in public either. Ever, with the beard, I would I wouldn't be able to because I would just know. I would just know. There's nothing I can do. I, there was a book by Roald Dahl called The Twits. I don't know if you remember this book. It was one of your kids. I don't. He, no, the, maybe I do. I don't know. That sounds familiar. The character had a beard, and he would eat like anything he wanted. And then later on, he would just pick food out of his beard and eat it. And it was like the villain of the book. And I remember just thinking, I'm like, I wonder if people really do that. And then obviously, you know, I, then I was nine. I realized that's not how people right. eat food. But um. I've constantly made the joke that my mustache tastes like mustard, milk, you know, it's like, you know, or buffalo sauce or something like that, you know, like, but it probably does, right? It, you know, be I, there have been, there have been times, you know what I mean? Like, I can't lie about it. It's fucking happens. It's, it's, it's the earth. It's how it works, baby. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like, I try not, you know what, dude? Like I, I am very particular about eating euros <laughs> like, and being a Greek, right? You know, like yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, it's like one of those things where I'm actually I uh, I like to think that I eat fairly healthy regularly, or at least I have like a very open mind towards food. You know, like I don't eat a bunch of bullshit all the time. And but, dude, listen, every once in a while, I eat a fucking euro. You know, like yep. it's just how it goes, man. But I'll tell you what, I'm terrified of eating them in public. Yep. I have to eat at home. 
you know, or sauce on the side. They'll eat it with a fork like a weirdo. But yeah, it happens it, at home. That's that's mess. Food is at home. That's exactly it. In, in public, it's just and that's the cleanliness thing that our parents like nailed us into our mind. Man, you just can't be the you can't be the slob. You can't be the slob. no. Yeah, you can't be the guy with shit all over your face. You know, like that's, you can't do that. Two things I can that's never embarrassing. Be. I can never be the slob, and I I can never be the problem. Meaning, like if I'm in the grocery <laughs> store and I'm making the problem, you can't do that, bro. Gotta, oh yeah, yeah. You can't I've be been problem. told this as well. You can't be the problem. Yeah. I also like. I was actually telling a friend of this last night about how like people are like, oh yeah, like, well, if I don't get my way. I'm just gonna bitch and throw, make a fit, you know, throw a seed or whatever, you know. It's like, man, why? Mm-mm. You know, like I feel like I've gotten way farther when I want something, you know, like whatever, like from AT and T with my phone bill or some shit like that, where I'm like, hey, listen, can we work this out? Yeah. You know, like I don't want to make your day any harder, and I always get my way. It's like, why are you guys being dicks? Like, I don't want to be the problem either, man. It's it, I, actually, I really just don't want to be noticed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, 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 you're supposed to be hitting. You're supposed to do your thing and leave. And, and you're right, dude. The carrot gets more done than the stick. But on TV and in oh, movies. That's a good one. I, I like that. Yeah. This, <laughs> in movies and in, on TV, like, dude, the stick is like, yeah, I win. I just walked right. out of the room and everybody's with me. But in real life, no, dude, carrot. Stick, stick is embarrassing. Stick is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. You yeah. guys got to get, you know, you got to be real with people. You know, like treat people how you want to be treated, man. Exactly. I, I am, I'm a very staunch atheist, but I was raised a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, like being a good neighbor is, uh, you know, it's, it's doesn't have to be with any sort of like a uh, person judging you from the sky, you know? Yes. And then you same thing be- with the, with the atheist thing, you really say the, in, I call them the evangelical atheists. You know, the ones that preach like they know what happens when you die. Like those guys are just as bad as the evangelical Christians to me. Like, I'm like a hundred percent, dude. Like, so it's like you said it. This is what I am. Respect it, and it's cool, man. But, exactly, yeah. man. I'm just trying to get by. Yeah. You know, like like I don't want any more unnecessary attention to me than I than I get already. You know, <laughs> like if I walk into like where my parents are from, like up in uh, the north. Uh, suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I look like I'm a fucking alien with beard and hand tattoos. You know, like my girlfriend. If we go up there, like go up to like a restaurant up there, she's got her goddamn neck tattooed and the side of her head is a fucking snake on it. You know what I'm saying? Like we stick out like fucking. We just got out of prison up there. You know, like yeah. I, I get enough attention, dude. I don't need to draw any more to myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. I completely, yeah, I, I relate to all that, man. So, dude, we chatted, man. We didn't talk enough about Coma Noir, but I want everybody to know it is out February 9th, okay? You it sure can, is. You can see WrestleMania 6 on YouTube, possibly, and see why Stavros cried as well. You guys check uh, out that match. It was, and remember that the owner of Profound Lore and I were in the audience. Yes, remember that. And there's proof. There is. There, I, I believe there is. I'm just. <laughs> there is, I, I still have my ticket stub. Oh, dude, I wouldn't throw that away. I, I have a. Oh, fuck no. I have an old. Yeah, I have all my ticket stubs like in this. Like, remember the old VHS tapes when you rented them? There was like a plastic container that I, I keep them I all. Do. I keep them all in there. I have like three of those. <laughs> I know it's odd, but it's in my garage. And, like these. That's amazing. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm like, they'll protect them. I have like picks and everything in there man it's just it's, yep how, how about this i'll leave you with a fucking hilarious story on that it. regard okay so check this out so speaking of wrestling in 1998 i went to go see metallica uh uh jerry contrell and days of the new mm, i remember this tour remember this tour okay mm-hmm. so once again part of the metallica club as any good metallica fan was in 1998 uh and they would give you uh, first chance at tickets. Now, this is one of those shed tours, you know, in the summer. So, like, they had seating. 
So I went to Milwaukee, and I happened to be able to get literally front row tickets to Metallica. Mm. And I was like, fuck, yes, this is going down. So Metallica comes out. Who comes out and is standing in between the guardrail and the front of the stage but Chris fucking Jericho? Oh. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, fucking Jericho. Oh, my God. You know, and like, he, you know, I think, well, well, 1998, I was... Uh, 15, right? You know, like I knew who Jericho was, and I kind of gave Jericho a couple, like, yo, what's up, Jericho? You know, like I was a huge Jericho fan, still am. I'm a Jericho hog. Was he WWE and, uh, at that time? Did he do that break the wall down yet? Was it 98? I, I think it was. I'm pretty sure. He was. I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, I'm pretty positive it was 97 that he came yeah, to WWE. It was right around positive. that time. Yeah, that's. And he, right, was, yeah. he was a great heel, yes. Oh, he was incredible. He was like my. He was my shit, man. Yeah. I was fucking Y2J. I was all about it. And um, anyway. At the end of the fucking show or whatever, you know, or one of the encores, Hetfield comes over and he looks at me and he gives me like a wink and he throws me a guitar pick. Now, James Hetfield's like my fucking hero of all times. I'm like, I need that guitar pick so one day I can be him, you know, like I'm trying to grab it, right? And I go and I, it was straight shot at me and I put up my hand to grab it, bounced off my palm and fell in between the guardrail and the stage right in front of Chris Jericho. And I look at it. And I look at Jericho, and Jericho looks at me, and he looks at it, and I'm like, Jericho, help me. And he goes, and he grabs it, and he puts it in his pocket, and he bounces. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what a fucking heel turn that was. Oh, no. He just hit me with a steel fucking chair and fucking pinned me for the title. That's what he just did. Oh, wow. I didn't see that happening. I didn't see no. that happening, dude. I thought so. he Wow. So now, my friend, I am awaiting. I have, I am on the list for the Fozzie, literally the list for the Fozzie show here in March. Mm. So come up and this is a coming. It's the first <laughs> thing I would say to Chris Jericho, I'm going to look at him and point him and be like, Milwaukee, 1998, my James Hetfield pick, motherfucker. What the fuck was that all about? You probably didn't see this one coming back to bite him in the ass, but. Chris the, Jericho, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. And the chance of him still having that pick is like 96%. Oh, dude, I think it's higher than that. I think it's a guarantee. He probably is that framed or something like that with a picture of him and Lars hanging out. That's probably you know? true. Yeah, wow. And the what, fact dude, that he what looked the fuck? at you and it bounced off your palm, wow. Dude, it wow. was meant for me. It was my pick, man. And he saw it. And he just snaked it. And then he didn't even like point and laugh. He wasn't even a tough guy about it. He put it, he put it in his pocket, didn't even look at me, just left. <laughs> and my sister was like, Yo, Jericho just screwed you so hard. You see that? I'm like, what the fuck? So there you go. Mustavros, you always got the wink. You always got the headfield wink. I did get the headfield wink. I sure did. I'm being positive. That's that's what we do, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I got something out of it for sure. 15-year-old me was stoked on the wink. Still pissed at Jericho, you know, like fucking 18 years later, but still. No, you don't let that go, dude. That that's no. uh, there's 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 yeah. Liam Neeson movies about that right there. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean you're Eastern European. We hold a grudge, dude. Yeah. You know, from the Mediterranean. Yeah. I I can hold a grudge like a motherfucker. Don't cross <laughs> me. All right, I'll take this one to the grave. Dude, excellent. So once again, guys, <laughs> everybody, get out there. It's been four years since the old believer. Uh, gotta pick up Coma Noir. Go to metalsucks.net, check out the video for that title track they just released a new song today as well we'll be playing both tracks after the interview because i want you guys to get out and, and get this interview yeah we're playing them both and uh, again make sure you catch them with royal thunder they're coming on tour on stavros's 35th birthday february 10th in chicago and they're going to stay cold all the way through and damn uh, right 
And, and uh, yeah, dude. So I want to thank you, man, so much for calling. Hey, man, thank you for having me, and I enjoyed it. Good oh, chat. that's a great chat. It was a, probably one of my favorite interviews, without a doubt. So I want, I want to definitely Excellent. thank you, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Absolutely, thank you for having me, man.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
guys, we are back. And um, man, those songs, they just kick ass. The record is excellent. Like I said, Como Noir is coming out February 9th. First song you heard is Galactic Brain. And the second song is Como Noir, the title track to the record, guys. So uh, go out there, pre-order that ASAP. Fantastic record. One of the coolest guys I ever interviewed. That's for damn sure. Stavros is just as cool as they come. So uh, with that, guys, until next week, Metal Sucks Podcast over and out. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.